it's going to be a good time. So I'm putting that together. I want input, but if anybody is thinking about or wants to be a part of the music, please reach out to me, let me know, so I can kind of work with you before we do set this day for what we're going to begin. Today we're going to be talking about something amazing. Anybody have a clue what we're talking about? No, because I haven't told anybody yet. This one, I kept a mystery. I kept this one a, a total mystery for us. But I'm going to be talking about something that we've seen play out in the book of Ruth a little bit. Everybody noticed that. What? You're, you're right about what? Yeah, you know what I did. You watched me prepare it. That's not fair. But they said something very specific in the end of that video about Ruth. And it talked about God working in the background of what was going on. But then it also said that that it was also based on human decisions. So today, we're going to kick these slides off. Did I set that up for you good? Yeah, good. My man. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of choice. The power of your ability to choose. We were created in the image of God, right? Everybody know that? Yeah. I have talked enough about that, I hope. We are created in the image of God. And one of the biggest things about God's image is that he has the ability to choose. And he's created us. Very good job, Candace. <laughs> she maneuvered right out of the way of the camera. <laughs> but he created us in his image with that same ability to choose. So let's talk about that a little bit tonight. Joshua... 24 and verse 14. This is a pretty popular scripture. I've had it read to me a lot in my life. But it says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, who they served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now this is Joshua talking. This is after Moses has passed away, and he's taken them into the, the promised land. And he's finally got them to this place that God has been promising them they're going to get to. And now he's talking to them, saying to them, it's important now, before we enter this new land, that you have an understanding of the power of your choice. Because even though God had taken them all through the wilderness, and God had promised them this great land, and he had brought them to this land, and now they're in it. Everything God said he had done, he had done. But now... Your choices are going to determine what takes place inside this promised land. Mm -hmm. So Joshua is bringing them to their, to their understanding of you guys, just because we're in the promised land now, just because God's good in our life, doesn't mean that we just don't have to worry about anything no more. That we can just live however we feel. It still matters that we make the right decision. That we serve God. We don't go 
serving the gods of this land. We don't bow down to the things around us, but that we make sure that we have a decision in our heart that says, this is what I'm going to do. This is what me and my family are going to do. Because Joshua understood that the people of Israel had the power to choose. He didn't think that they were just always going to do what they were told. He didn't think that they, would, that they didn't have the ability to mess up. But he understood the power that lies in your hands. And every person that was part of that community. And if we go back, we can go way back in time. Let's go back to Genesis 3 and 1. All the way back to the very beginning of it all. Adam and Eve were created. They were put in the garden with the same ability that God has. He created them in his image. Here they are. And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, he asked the woman, did you really, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now this is the devil. This is the serpent. This is the Lucifer. Like this is the, the main bad guy of the entire Bible. He was an angel, right? The most powerful angel. All the wisdom. Like this, was a, this wasn't just some low-ranking soldier here. This was a mighty being. And he crawled on his belly into the garden. He crawled in there. And he didn't tell her what to do. But he asked her a question. Because Satan, in all of his wisdom, and all of that, he knew right. that she had the power of choice in her hands. He couldn't force her to eat that apple. He couldn't come in there and just cram that apple down her throat. Aha, I ate it. It would have worked that way. God would have seen through that. And God knew that he had given her the ability to choose. Yeah. And if she didn't make the choice, it wouldn't have had the same outcome. Yeah. So even Satan crawls into her. Did he really say you can't eat that fruit? Is that what God really said? Are you, are you sure you didn't misunderstand him? And she replies to him, of course, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. So she, right away, he didn't even ask her a real question. Like he knew the answer to that. She knew. She's like, come on. Of course we can eat the fruit from the garden. But she said, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she's looking at it from this point of view of, I don't have a choice. God told me I can't eat that. That's how she's viewing it. God said if we eat that, we're going to die. He didn't say I couldn't eat all the fruit. I could eat all the other fruit. He gave me a lot of choices in this world, but that one is off the table. I don't have a choice to do that. God said if I do that, I'm going to die. So it's important for me to make sure that I rule that out as an option of mine. But the devil wasn't done yet. And he comes back to her and he says, you won't die. You're not going to die. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, both knowing good and evil. So he plays a power trip on her ability to choose. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you realize what you have in your hand? You you're not going to die. You, you have the ability to choose. 
Don't you realize that? You're holding that in your hand. And we know, again, of course, based on her last statement, she didn't realize she had that ability. Yeah, no, he said, if we did, we die. That ability's gone. I don't want it no more. But he reminded her, yes, you have the ability. You can choose this if you want to. If you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And how much more can you use this power that you have when you know what's good and you know what's evil? Then you can exercise this power of choice all the time. And the woman was convinced, it says. And she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she chose to take some of the fruit and to eat it. And to give it to her husband, who was with her, who also chose to eat too. And both of them in this moment exercise this ability, this power to choose. God said don't eat it, but God didn't make me not able to eat it. He told you what you shouldn't do, but he still didn't strip you of the power that you have in your hands to choose. That's how amazing our God is. He made you in his image, and he's not going to take it away. He's going to still allow you that opportunity that ability to be like him and choose to do what is good. God in the beginning created the entire world and he stepped back and he looked at it and he said, it is good. He chose to create the world good. He made that decision and he has the same faith in each and every one of you today. God knew mankind was going to fall, but he still believed that we would make the, the right decision at the right time to receive redemption, to receive salvation. And he went forward with this process because he is faithful and because he knows that if you put your mind to it, you can choose the right way in life. You can choose the wrong way, but you can choose the right way. Romans 6 and verse 16 shows us a, a great picture of this. He says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Now, we didn't always have this choice. Romans 6 is written to people who've already been redeemed. It's written to people who've already believed in Christ. There was a time period before they accepted Christ, that they didn't have a choice, that they were subject to their sin. The Bible tells us that we were slaves to our sin, didn't have a choice to do what was right or wrong, I automatically did wrong. But I'm not talking to people in this room that haven't believed. I'm not talking to people in this room who don't know who God is. Luckily, I get the great blessing of speaking to a room full of people who believe, people who have had a relationship with God. And that gives you power back into your hands. No longer am I living like the people who have had this power stripped from them at the devil in the beginning of time. But now, I'm a child of the redeemed. I have the right to choose which way I'm going to go. Am I going to live for worldliness, which is going to lead to death? 
Or am I going to obey God and live in this righteousness and have a life that's amazing and blessed? Let's go to the book of Matthew real quick. I'm coming to an end soon. Man. Matthew 7 and 13 and 14 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. How many of you guys have heard this scripture before? A little discouraging sometimes, right? Sometimes I found this scripture scourging. Because, you know, the old, the King James Version that I've grown up on. Hallelujah. It was narrow is the way. But wide is the path to destruction. We grew up hearing sermons about that. And it's always, it always terrified me. Because I'm one of those people I like to believe that God wins this battle in the end. And it's not going to be a small victory. It's going to be a big victory. Right. He's coming back for a big church. He's not coming back for a beat-up bride in, in, the, in, the, in the, the gutter somewhere that's just been left behind and gone through everything. You know, he's going coming back for a beautiful bride, a radiant, white, spotless bride. That's what he's coming back for. So I always read the scripture, and I thought to myself, like, this is saying that not a lot of people are going to be saved. And it discouraged me because I want to believe all my friends are going to be saved. I want to believe my family is going to be there. I want to believe everybody has the ability to worship God. We all, he deserves it. Despite what we deserve, God deserves a big, beautiful bride. But I was rereading the scripture and it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow.